the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life circumstances uniquely affect people differently, yet God's love, grace, and mercy are limitless. The good news is God's word is uniquely sufficient. He knows what to do in every situation. He made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible tells us to trust him, lean on him, and to acknowledge him. Whether it's a success, a setback, or a failure, no matter what it is, God will order our steps when we depend on him and him alone to uniquely perform his good and perfect work within us. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. We bless God. Psalms 100, this is the final message in this particular series. It's, it's very noteworthy, and we should really uh, look at the text and see how God is going to speak to us and through us. Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Oh, I love that. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And from that wonderful passage in the Psalms, we want to preach uh, the final message in this series, God's requirements for praise and thanksgiving. God's requirement for praise and thanksgiving. Well, we just can't approach God and worship him any kind of way. There is a prescribed way in which we must worship God. There's only two kinds of worship, two ways of worshiping God. And either you worship him unacceptably or you worship him acceptably. What kind of worship are you giving? Is it acceptable before the Lord or is it unacceptable before the Lord? Now, there's a misconception. Many saints have good intentions, but many believe that worship is only restricted to the house of God and what they do here on Sunday. But let me tell you something. Worship is not just restricted to the house of God Worship is to be a lifestyle. I beseech you, Romans 12, once, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, spiritual worship to God. Your body, your soul, your spirit is to worship God. With your whole inner being, you're to worship God. You're to worship God in your behavior. You're to worship God with your attitude. You're to worship God uh, in your workplace. You're to worship God with how you minister to your wife or how you treat your husband or how you 
uh, treat your parents' children. Worship is a lifestyle. We are to worship God moment by moment every day. As a matter of fact, when you obey God and you do what he tells you to do, that also is worship. When you serve God, that's worship. When you pick up paper that you didn't put down on the floor, that is worship. A spirit of selflessness is a spirit of worship. So worship is not just restricted to what you do in the house of God. It is a lifestyle that we ought to be exhibiting moment by moment, day by day, to the glory of God. Y'all with me? So with that being said, how does God require us to praise and worship him? How does God require us to praise and worship him? Number one, God requires joyful celebration and worship of him. God requires joyful celebration and worship of him. The scripture says in verse one, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Yes, lands. Uh, No one is exempt from praising God. Therefore, this is a call to praise the Lord with a joyful shout. When the scripture says, all ye lands, this verse is a universal call to praise the Lord. Our praise on earth, listen to this, our praise on earth is a prelude for praising our Lord in heaven with our glorified bodies in a perfect place with perfect people. In heaven, we will worship him without distractions, without pain, unhindered by Satan, sin, and the cares of this world. Listen, God wants us to worship him now and worship him daily, but this is a prelude. What we're doing now is a prelude to ultimate worship when we worship God around the throne of God without pain, without distraction, without hurt, uh, without all of these things. I mean, in a perfect place, with perfect people, with God himself. Uh, Number two, how does God require us to praise and worship him? Secondly, it is impossible to genuinely worship God apart from a heart that is filled with gladness and singing. That's why we come before him with gladness and singing. It is a part of worship. It is impossible to genuinely worship God apart from a heart that is filled with gladness and singing. The scripture says in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. When we sing in that song entitled Jesus, we were worshiping him. When we were humming that song before the Lord without music, we were worshiping him. That's part of the worship experience. God requires his people to come joyfully into his house to worship him. Without a spirit of gladness, we cannot genuinely worship or praise the Lord. Without a spirit of gladness, you you, you can truly worship God just dragging in here, moaning and groaning and, and with a sad face. Listen, when you think about who he is and what he's done for you, to you, through you, you ought to come in here with the spirit of gladness to the glory of God. Amen? Beloved people, places, and the things of this world system cannot bring true gladness. Only receiving Christ and possessing a deep communion with him brings gladness of heart. Uh, Psalms 4, 7, 8 says, you have put gladness in my heart. You, God, you have put gladness in my heart. 
sports celebrities cannot put gladness in your heart. Uh, politicians sure can't put gladness in your heart. Amen. People cannot put gladness in your heart. Money cannot put gladness in your heart. The things of this world cannot put gladness in your heart. Only God can put gladness in your heart. So if you're not glad this morning, why don't you just pray a prayer and say, God, would you put gladness in my heart where I can show it with my smile, show it in my attitude, where my wife can see I'm glad, my husband can see I'm glad, my children can see I'm glad, my grandchildren can see I'm glad. Lord, would you just put the biggest smile on my face? Lord, I, I, I've had an unsmiley face. And I, I just, Lord, Lord, help me to laugh again. Help me to smile again. Help me to chuckle. Father, get my tickle box going all over again. You, oh Lord, put gladness in my heart to the glory of God. Thirdly, you must first have a personal relationship with the Lord before you can genuinely worship him. You must first have a personal relationship with the Lord before you can genuinely worship him. The scripture says in verse 38, know you that the Lord, he is God. Jehovah God is the only true and living God. Your worship will not be accepted by him unless you first come to God by grace through faith and he alone being the object of your worship. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Unsaved people cannot worship God. Only saved people can authentically, genuinely worship God. Religious folk cannot worship God. You can be religious and still not worship God. That's right. You can be there are people called church folk. They just go to church without a relationship. They cannot worship God. It's more than just having your name on the membership roll. You got to have authentic personal relationship because you believe in the birth of Christ, the life of Christ. You believe in his crucifixion, uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his coming back again. Once you believe that, then my friend, you can worship God. The scripture says also in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. When you know Christ and live for Christ, you will suffer for Christ. You said, nobody's bothering me for Christ. Well, nobody's bothering you because you're not bothering the devil. But when you begin to speak up for Christ and say that is sin, or I don't do that because I'm a Christian, you wear a cross around your neck, you got a Bible on your desk, uh, uh, you, you don't mind saying the Lord is good and don't mind saying Merry Christmas. Uh, the other day I was, I was at the, uh, the bank teller and I said, Happy Thanksgiving. She said, that's over. I said, no, it's not. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. I said, I'm a Christian. And I just told her right there. Now, I didn't, I didn't give her the plan of salvation. That was enough. Don't feel like you got to hold. You can't hold folk an hour when they're on the job. And there's a line of folk. That was all I needed to tell that lady. And, and listen, the Holy Ghost can work with that. Do you even give the Holy Ghost something to work with? Where is your witness for God? And when you name the name of Jesus, when you live Jesus, when you talk Jesus, when you're not ashamed of the name of Christ, you will suffer 
for Christ. Once we know God personally, he requires that we have an undivided allegiance to him. The Lord is God all by himself and he uh, must be worshiped exclusively without any competing idols of this world system because he will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That's right. Your dog is not the Lord. Your cat is not the Lord. Your house is not the Lord. Your money is not the Lord. Your, your wife, your, your, your best friend, your sorrow, your homeboy, your homegirl, not the Lord. God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My name is the Lord. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carve images. Number four, we worship God because he is our creator. Uh, verse 3b says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. God created and saved us for his glory. In other words, we celebrate Christ because we are his by creation. He created us. We belong to him because he is the owner of us. Uh, he owns us and we are his by salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are his twice. Now, uh, unsaved Pagans, unsaved uh, people who don't even acknowledge God, don't want anything to know about God, shake their fists in the face of God, they belong to him too. They just don't know it. You say, how do they belong to him? By creation. By creation. God created them. They just don't know it. That's why Psalms 14.1 says they're a fool. I mean, God made them, and then they won't even acknowledge him as God. But we are his not only by creation, we also belong to him by salvation, the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. We were purchased out of the slave market of sin, uh, out of darkness, uh, in, and brought and transferred into the marvelous light. The scripture says in Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. Look at that, my glory. In other words, you say, why did God create you? For his glory. You know, you know what the purpose of men and women are? It is to glorify God and to have fellowship with him forever. That's part of the Westminster Catechism. To glorify God and to have fellowship with him forever. That's your purpose for living. Now, if you don't know your purpose for living, you will get drunk and you will act stupefied and you will be the biggest fool on this side of the Mississippi River. Some people don't say, I don't know my purpose for life. The Bible will tell you your purpose for life. Satan will confuse your purpose. People will confuse your purpose. Uh, secular psychologists will confuse your purpose. Uh, liberal professors in the seat of learning with PhDs, they will confuse your, your purpose. But I declare to you today, he says, whom I created for my glory. What does my glory mean? My praise. God says, I created you to honor me. I created you to spotlight my name, to, to lift up my name, uh, to showcase my name. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Psalms 119, 73a also says, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Absolutely no one can worship God apart from knowing that he is our creator. And even more, if we are saved by the blood of Jesus, he is our savior, which gives us even more reasons why we should worship him. We ought to worship him because he saved our soul and made us whole. We worship him because we belong to him. We are king's kids. We worship him because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. We are holy. We are set apart ones to the glory of God. Number five, God 
requires us to worship him because he is our shepherd and we are his people. We are required to worship him because he is our shepherd and we are his people. Verse 3c says, we are his people and the sheep of his pastor. In other words, we are his sheep uh, means that we belong exclusively to Christ and must respond only to his voice. Some of you here today, you've wandered in the wilderness. You're strange sheep because you've not listened to Almighty God. You've listened to the deceptive voices of this world instead of the shepherd's voice. Uh, Psalms 23.1a says, the Lord is my shepherd. When you know the shepherd personally, you will recognize and respond only to his voice amidst the competing voices of this world system. The scripture also says in John 10.27, my sheep, now listen, you either sheep or you're a goat. Now, 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 sheep follow the shepherd. Sheep follow the Savior. Goats, they kick, they buck, they move around. They, 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 they naughty. They, they're goats. They, they're anti-Christ. They're anti-God. They, they don't follow. They don't submit. My sheep, God knows those who are his. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I know they know me. How do you know if you know God? You follow him. That's how you exemplify the fact that you know God. You follow him. My friend, if you strayed from the Lord, return to him, who is the great shepherd. Once you are in the Father's hand, you have eternal security. In other words, all the demons in hell can't snatch you out of our Father's hand. No trouble, no trial, no issue can snatch you out of the Father's hand. All of us have gone through crisis. All of us have had our share of adversities. All of us have accidents and sickness and failures and all that. But none of these things can snatch you. Once you are in God's hand, the Spirit of God seals you, and you are forever His from time all the way into eternity. He will lead you in path of righteousness and protect you, shield you from the predators of this world who desire to kill you. There are people who want to steal from you, steal your joy, steal your reputation, and even steal your life. Wipe you out. Number six, God requires that we come into his house with a thankful heart to bless his name. We're required that we come into the house of God with a thankful heart to bless his name. Verse 4, it says, enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. In verse 4, the gates and courts were those of the temple. Unless we enter the house of the Lord with hearts filled with thanksgiving, our worship will be in vain. If you come in here angry, your worship is in vain. You come in here not with an attitude of gratitude, your worship is in vain. You come in here uh, with a chip on your shoulder, uh, coming here with the wrong disposition, your worship will be in vain. Even though some of you may enter the house of God downtrodden, some of you come in here depressed. Some of you come in here in pain. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're in pain as you hear this message. Some of you are under my voice by radio and television in this congregation. You're burdened down with the cares of this world. But I tell you what, giving praise and thanksgiving to God will lift your spirit. When you give praise and adoration and worship to God, uh, God will relieve your burdens and he will renew your hope. This can only happen when you 
are thankful unto our Lord and bless his name. God requires that we be thankful and bless his name, but many saints cannot because of ingratitude and grumbling. Beloved, if you are a chronic grumbler who is grouchy, you gripe, you complain, you groan about any and everything, you cannot worship God. There are some wives that grumble, grumble, grumble. Some husbands grumble, grumble, grumble. Some children grumble, 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 grumble. Then it is impossible for you to be thankful and bless the name of our Lord. My friend, refuse to grumble because people have to suffer through all of your grumbling. <laughs> Often people grumble against those who are not responsible for their trouble. God hates grumbling because it creates discord. God hates grumbling because it creates discontentment. God hates grumbling because it creates dissension, which is so destructive and has no place in the Lord's church. Grumbling will tear up the church. Grumbling will tear up the workplace. And grumbling will tear up your own family. Grumbling ought not be the atmosphere of your family. Get excited about who God is and and, and what he is doing. And you got a person in your house, uh, in the workplace, that's grumpy. ask them, why can't they be happy? Where is your joy? Why is there rocks all in your jaws? If they're grumbling like that, sit down and tell me all about it so we can work this out so that you can get over it. When believers are passionately involved in the work of the Lord, they have no time to grumble or criticize because of being so consumed in God's work. The, the people who grumble the most are those who are doing nothing. Beloved, there must be praise in the heart before there can be worship in the church. Some people say, well, I came to church and I didn't get nothing. I didn't get nothing. I didn't feel nothing. I didn't see nothing. I left like I came. You know why you left like you came? Because you didn't bring nothing. You didn't bring nothing. You didn't, you didn't come with the joy of God. You didn't come with a sense of expectancy of meeting him. You didn't come saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You didn't come saying, teach me and fill me until I won't know more. Lord, help me now. Help me to worship you in spirit and truth. You, you didn't come here praying. You didn't come here uh, with a glad heart. That's why you're left with nothing. The issue is not with the people. It's not the choir. It's not the ushers. It's not the media. It's not the nursery. It's not even the parking lot. It's you. <laughs> ha! It's you! As we grow and mature in our worship, we will discover new reasons to praise God. I say it again, as we grow and mature in our worship, we will discover new reasons to praise God. What are the benefits of praising God? A, a spirit of thanksgiving and praising God will keep us from meditating on evil things that are destructive to the mind, destructive to the soul, and destructive to the spirit. What are the benefits again? The, the first one is that a spirit of thanksgiving and praising God will keep us from meditating on evil things that are destructive to the mind, soul, and spirit. We said, where do you get that? 1 Corinthians 13, 5b says, love thinks no evil. Now, when you truly love me with an agape, Christ-like, selfless uh, love, you love me at my best, and you love me at my worst. 
your love for your children, your love for your husband, your love for your in-law, your love for your sibling that you've been fussing and fighting with, love for your coworker. Uh, listen, you will love them unconditionally the way God loved you. There's no expectations. You are obligated to love me. That's right. Look how quiet it got now. So, won't y'all say amen? You are obligated. Say obligated. You are obligated to love me. I'm obligated to love you. I don't care how cantankerous you are, how messy you are, backsliding all over the place, acting a fool all over the place. But I'm still, I say, Lord, help me now. Lord, increase my love. Lord, Lord, I need some more love. Please, God, give me more patience. He said, that's why I'm giving you this. <laughs> love thinks no evil. Some of you can't enjoy God because the truth of the matter is you too evil. Evil, 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 evil eye. Evil mouth. Evil. Mean and evil. Nasty evil. That's right. Get in trouble. You want somebody else in trouble because you in trouble. Yes, you're just evil. Plotting up stuff, strategizing, formulating stuff in your mind, constructing stuff that, that has no eternal significance, evil, devilish stuff. And when, you, when your mind becomes a playground for Satan, he will drive you to insanity. And some of you have allowed Satan to have too much playing in your mind. In your mind. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching and would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit MaranathaSA.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas 78109. And if you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the Radio Broadcast Support Fund. Thank you very much for your generosity. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.